I think that sometimes we innovate best when we are in a place where we don't know the answers and we're with different people that are working in different ways. This is the Brilliance Leadership Learning Podcast, sharing thought-provoking content and discussions to enhance your leadership development journey. Be sure to subscribe to get notified of new episodes. Here are your hosts from the digital learning team at Crottenville, GE's Global Learning Institute. Three years ago, we spotted that 2016 was going to be a big Shakespeare year. It was Shakespeare's 400th anniversary of his death, and the Royal Shakespeare Company needed to put on something pretty spectacular. We needed to try and match the magic of Shakespeare's imagination. Welcome, Brilliance Leadership Learning Podcast listeners. We have a really cool episode today with Sarah Ellis, who is an award-winning producer currently working as the Director of Digital Development for the Royal Shakespeare Company to explore new artistic initiatives and partnerships. So we're going to be talking a lot about art with technology today. She won the 2016 Creative Industries Council Cross-Industry Collaboration Award for her work done toward Midsummer Night's Dreaming, Adelaide Road, and The Tempest, which was a collaboration with Intel in association with Imaginarium Studios. In 2013, she was listed in the top 100 most influential people working in gaming and technology by the Hospital Club and Guardian Cultural Professionals, and she is a regular speaker and commentator on digital arts practice. There are tons of interviews out there with Sarah, so if this interview does not fulfill all of your (laughs) curiosities about Sarah, you can find much more about her. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Um, first and foremost, tell us a little bit about you. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> well, uh, well, I work for the Royal Shakespeare Company um, in Stratford-upon-Avon. and have worked there since 2010. So I'm based in the heart of, of the United Kingdom, um, but I'm often traveling around the country, meeting great artists, great technologists, and have recently spent time in the US, particularly working uh, with Intel on the Tempest collaboration. So a lot of the time I am out and about and looking for people for us to collaborate with and also sharing uh, the skills and expertise that we have and how theatre can collaborate with different types of industry, which is really interesting. Yeah, for sure. And how, just quickly, how did you get into this type of work? Um, I studied music at university, um, so I've always had um, an interest in the arts and culture. Um, but uh, in my 20s, I worked in broadcast, uh, worked for the BBC and ITV okay. um, uh, when they were exploring digital television. Um, and so I've navigated both both worlds and... Um, but have worked in a range of arts organisations in the UK, um, ranging from uh, smaller arts organisations, spoken word and poetry organisations, to venues. And now um, my home is definitely uh, in theatre and in particular with Shakespeare. Very interesting. And so, like you mentioned, you've done work with The Tempest and... Um, I actually, that's kind of how I first found you, is I saw this amazing video on YouTube 
I don't even know how I found it. Um, it was about the Tempest and Intel and the collaboration with Intel and Imaginarium Studios. And um, it was just amazing. They were showing the actors and what things they had to go through to create this amazing production. And um, so I've seen that referred to as virtual reality theater. It was a two-year project, and, it, and to your uh, comment earlier, it brought together technology, film, gaming, and theater industries. It used some real-time performance capture, facial real-time and projection mapping, all of this kinds of stuff. So can you tell us how this came together? Because I know to start, there was a, you did something with an Intel virtual reality demo. Yeah, that's right. So um, the idea and the vision for this project um, comes from our artistic director, Greg Doran. Um, we were looking at, it was right back in 2014 where we started thinking about this. Um, uh, we were looking at uh, 2016 and planning for that, um, that being the anniversary year. Um, it is the 400th, it was the 400th anniversary of Shakespeare's de death in 2016. And it was such a seminal moment for us to look at Shakespeare, his work. Um, but The Tempest is Shakespeare's last play. It's very much his innovation play, a magical play. Um, and in The Tempest, there is a scene called The Mask. And those scenes um, in Shakespeare's time were commissioned and um, seen as spectacles of their day. They were pushing innovation. So it felt right from Greg's point of view to look at that and what a 21st century mask would look like. Um, and so he set the challenge of uh, can we find what that, what that spectacle would be? Um, and so... I went to the most natural place where we find ideas nowadays, the internet. And as you found us, um, and we're having this podcast today, I, I did exactly the same thing. I, I through searching online, um, found a small YouTube clip um, from an Intel keynote speech. Um, and in it, there was a, a short presentation called The Leviathan. And uh, that was absolutely transformative in our thinking. And I shared that with Greg. And from there, we connected, we, we, we reached out to Intel and um, started a conversation inspired by, by what we had seen. Um, and that uh, partnership evolved over two years and ended up with us creating our own 21st century spectacle. Um, looking at not only the mask, but um, the character called Ariel in the play and how we could achieve a digital character on stage working with live actors. Um, and we felt that had the ambition and scale that we wanted to achieve in this particular production. Absolutely. I saw, so I went and looked at that Intel demo, uh, the keynote with the whale that comes out over the audience it was amazing. I had never seen anything like that before. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes for the podcast. So anybody listening who wants to look at that um, and the, the Intel video I, I mentioned earlier can go there to watch the full versions. So explain this quote. I, I have this from another interview you did that digital is not just online and virtual. It's personal and everyday. Talk to us a little more about that. Yeah, that thinking comes from... Um... Basically, we're in the digital age and everything around us has um, speaks to that and has a connection with that. Even if we're riffing against that and we don't have any technology, it's, um, it's about um, accepting and understanding that digital doesn't just mean, um, isn't just uh, marginalised to 
something that's not in our own sense of reality. Um, digital is something that we're connecting. This podcast right now, the Skype call that we're on, all these things are connecting not just an online world, but real people connecting within that. And I think that that's the important bit um, for us to think about moving forward about technology, about how pervasive it is. And actually, it's the humans behind that technology. It's how it how it establishes itself and works in the real world that will make it success. And I think if we draw upon a an analogy uh, around an, uh, another time around Shakespeare's time, um, the, the innovation of the printing press, um, its success was the creation of it, but its actual true success was how it was able to um, to reach uh, millions of people and uh, act as a communication tool. And it was what people printed through that printing press and what they, the stories they wanted to, to tell that were a true success of that. So I, it's, it reaches out to that thinking, really. Yeah, and I, I personally love that because people struggle with the fact that digital may not seem as personal as the other things we may do in our life to build relationships and things like that. And I think that's that's valid to an extent. Obviously, the experience in digital is not always the same as if you're face to face. Or, or, but I don't think that that takes away from the value. And so it's it's um, interesting and nice to hear you say that uh, that that's that's a perspective that you guys have. Absolutely, and I would I you know I would look at theatre as um, a really live, visceral space where communities come together. People don't know each other when they come in that space, but they have a shared experience. And we've, I think theatre has been working in virtual reality for centuries and, mm. and, and the technologies that are coming through and the technologies we've been able to work with on the Tempest um, are kind of accentuating and highlighting a relationship that theatre's had with technology for centuries. And that's really exciting. We're excited by what the new tools allow us to do with live storytelling. Sure. So how is data and technology being used in the arts? We mentioned a few things earlier, um, but what is that like? What is the process for trying and testing new things in the theater space? Yeah, I mean, um, data and technology at the moment in the arts is 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 really exciting because we're seeing um, performance capture, virtual reality, but we're also seeing that the processing power that we have to work with these technologies is much bigger. Therefore, we can uh, visually create much more ambitious pieces of creative content that, that work on our stages. So um, if you look at, for example, video projection mapping, we can now uh, track moving objects in real time. I think the real time is really significant. So we're able to, again, with the processing power that we have, be able to do things that don't need huge amounts of production or rendering time. So for theatre and live performance um dancers and actors are able to work with the visuals that are on stage with them and interact with that. Um, we're seeing um, online uh, shared experiences, so through streaming, through 
people being able to access arts through their home. Um, so what's wonderful for us and with technology is that we have a relationship with Stratford-upon-Avon, but we can also have a relationship with audiences and people that love Shakespeare and his plays from all around the world. And our content platforms are really diverse now and our stages are everywhere. And with the data and storage capabilities, we can make those experiences we can build those experiences to make them a lot bigger. Um, so, so we're quite excited by working with the creative industries. And what we saw with our motion capture is how that technology has been used in healthcare um, mm. and uh, gaming and film. But when you take it into a theatre space, we can do think different things with that technology. That's so cool. The like having dancers and actors on stage and interacting with with a piece of technology really that's amazing yeah and the audience don't see it as technology they see it as part of the creative right. experience and it's how uh, you knit together those experiences that the audience sees as a whole and one thing and that's a testimony to a lot of the creatives and how they curate that experience for audiences Right. Yeah. Because it's, I think that's the goal with all integrations of technology is you don't want it to be obvious or you don't necessarily want the focus to be on the technology. You want it to be on the cohesive product that comes out of that. You do. And that I think that's uh, one of the success points of the collaboration that we've had is that um, we've, we've been very fortunate enough to have uh, technologies uh, that we've integrated into an experience that delights and inspires audiences. And also those teams that are working together are really synchronistic and working together. And, mm. and, um, and I think that shows with the work on stage. Yeah. So how how does the experience from the audience change? What have you seen in terms of the reactions from them? Um, I th the reactions from the audience have been absolutely fantastic and really interesting. Whenever we look on social media, we see audiences just delighted by the the humanity of the storytelling and, and also the ambition of um, of the production itself. Young audiences are very comfortable with the technology. You are reminded of how young people um, and a new generation uh, don't see these technologies as different. And then when they come in our space, are actually really excited about the Shakespeare and, and the stories within Shakespeare and the characters and the and the humour. So we've also seen uh, audiences really enjoy us approaching a Shakespeare play in a in a potentially different way, both through its design and its production and its execution. So so our audiences are telling us how they feel about it and and we're working with them organically to, to take that into our our thinking for the next things that we'll do um, in the future. Theatre has always had a really strong relationship with an audience. The the art can't exist without the audience if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Um, and that when you're in the theatre itself, those audiences make a make a contract, I think, and um, make a pact with the, the the storytelling on stage. And I think that they have seen how it's knitted together to create a world. So it's it's been it's been really great to uh, hear what they have to say about it. And then, what about the actors? How have they responded to the new? Or, or I, I'm assuming that this has been something new for most of the actors involved in this production. Yeah. 
Um, everyone on the production's been been really fantastic, and I think uh, have uh, been up for the uh, experimentation and the collaboration, and have rightly asked questions about it. And I think that the rigor of the questions has been really fantastic, and how we've applied that. And I think what what uh, we've seen are a lot of thinking around what the possibilities are for this, what you could do with this, where you could take it. And I think that the Tempest being the first time that we've used these technologies in to such a scale provides even more questions with, with production actors and design. So it's kind of like an ongoing conversation and um, uh, will hopefully be iterated across other performances of the productions in the future. The technology that Intel deployed here for the Tempest is big. Take real-time information from a motion capture suit, map that on to a complex digital avatar, and then project that digital avatar out through 27 projectors. What challenges may you guys have experienced? I, you know, were there? I, I think I may have uh, read something where. Um, at one point it was like, uh, one of the, the actors, or maybe it was like the, the digital portions. It was like one of them was doing the can can because it kind of froze up. So I'm just interested. <laughs> yeah. I'm just interested yeah. to hear a little more about some of those, those failures and what you guys learned from those. So whenever you're working in live performance, there's always the, uh, the, you know, it's live, it's, uh, it's live and it connects and technology, um, often is seen as a solution for something, but also comes with its challenges. And um, where we were using such new, I mean, I think we didn't talk about it as cutting edge, but bleeding edge technology in some instances. Um, we found that some technology took a while to settle. We had to, um, we just had to experiment and play with it in our space. Um, and it was the making sure where Mark, the actor of, for Ariel, was moving on stage, uh, how we calibrated. So in performance capture, you need to calibrate the digital avatar um, so the cameras can read all the, the spots that they're tracking. Um, they were just new languages and new parts of the production process that we were bringing in so because we hadn't done it before we needed to learn how to use them and integrate them uh into the the stagecraft that we had already but we were also using our our known technologies in a different way as well if that makes any sense so uh how aerial moved around in the space and yes, how we made sure that all the sensors were being picked up by the cameras, making sure that we had strong enough Wi-Fi connections and there weren't any dips. Um, these were just new checks that we needed to put in place. Um, and I think that, that because we had such a strong collaborative team, it allowed us to make sure that we were listening to all those different voices and, and different new sets of challenges. That's definitely something I was going to point out is not only were there obviously a lot of additional complexities that may have never been dealt with before, but it sounds like this level of collaboration, the level of openness, all of those things were critical um, if, if not the make or break point for something like this. Yeah, I think collaboration is... Um... 
uh, really it's quite an organic thing, but also it needs a lot of structure and it needs a lot of understanding why you're collaborating with whom you're collaborating with, working under one question that you're exploring. So to have the Tempest as, as the the, the uh, piece of work that we were all trying to achieve mm. built, um, allowed us to come together around that. And also I think that all of the collaborators had a different set of skills to offer that the other party didn't have. Um, and we understood that and we respected what those expertises were. Um, and I think that that helped us um, build um, a really successful partnership and team and for us to also we wanted to do we wanted to push ourselves and to do something we hadn't done before and and I mean that in terms of process and production got it yeah so shifting a little bit to a little bit away from technology per se and just to broadly digital how does online media affect what is done in the theater because I know you have done work to create a a my Shakespeare or, or Shakespeare online type of I don't know if it's a community or, or what you would call that. Um, mm. And then how also for the Midsummer Night's Dreaming, uh, you crowdsourced content for that. So yeah. how have you been able to leverage that space in terms of digital to inform or or create things for theater? I think um, I'm one of those, one of the generation that had a life before and a life after the internet. <laughs> um and uh, I know that that will become increasingly a uh, smaller amount of people. Um, but uh, uh, one of the brilliant things about when the internet did happen was uh, when the internet started is that you felt you were able to connect with people in a way that you hadn't been able to connect with before. And there was an agility with that and uh, an, an exciting sort of democracy around that. And um where online media has affected theatre and the arts is it has allowed us to talk to each other and share our work in a way that we weren't able to do before. And it has allowed us to connect with other communities that we may not reach. But it's also allowed us to bring in those communities to our thinking. And and where My Shakespeare was really exciting for us is that we were able to connect with a series of artists and technologists and I, I do include coders as a as an artistic artistic creative practice um, and people that were making work that was connected with Shakespeare online and for us to host that on a on a website as a platform as a stage in itself mm. um, and that was that's I think that's a, one of the brilliant things about it and I think that um, online and media affects uh, what is created, how how we talk about theatre, how how we how theatre practitioners take that conversation back into their ideas, so it becomes cyclical and it's broadened our palette, but it's also broadened our possibilities and scope for collaboration and for what we could do with it. So, I mean, I think the the finding of the Leviathan video by um, for Intel's keynote is a prime example of that. The connectivity that we have to other industries now, it has unlocked that. So there's a profound effect. Um, I think it's emerging and I think there's more more you can do with it. And um, as much as we look at reach, um, it's also about depth of content and the value of that experience. So a big question for us is how do we extend the RxC experience to all these platforms and have a meaningful relationship? And how can we extend what theatre is to those people? And 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 ha- and so the shared experience and the um, and the conversation are really important to us. So I'm really interested in are are there things that you guys have done differently now, or or what are those? Uh, if you could share some 
to, I guess, find out if your efforts are scaling and reaching? So um, for The Tempest, we worked with Intel on a, on a really brilliant social media campaign called Prospero's Island. And instead of you coming to our building, you were coming to the island in the play. Oh, cool. And we and we set out a story for um, audiences to to follow us in the in the run up to to the um, to the production itself. And I think that, yeah, one of the things that's made us think about is when does the RC experience start? How do and how do we welcome those people into our space and how do we make sure that they are feeling welcome and have a brilliant experience with us and then when they leave the theatre how do we how do we keep that relationship with them and how and 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 we we do think about those things and and online media allows us to do that um one of the success points i think of the tempest as well was the snapchat filter we did it reached a phenomenal amount of people, but also a different group of people. Um, mm-hmm. It allowed the RSC to be in a different space. Um, you could aerialize your face. So we were taking a design from the show. So we, it, all, everything about that filter was creative. It was about the production and it connected in the right way to an audience who may have not, may or may not be able to see it, but ha- we've started a relationship. So we've gone out there and connected with them. So it's about how I think how we can look at online media and how we can push that is what are the places where can we be um, that we wouldn't ordinarily be and then how can we play in that space yeah and so we have some questions from employees i i let people know that we would be interviewing you and so i think this is somewhat related and a good time to ask how do we stop talking about the technology and start talking about the art so in other words how do you focus on the message and not the channel? I think you may have touched on that a little bit earlier, so I just want to um, yeah. give you additional time to respond. I think that um, I think the two go hand in hand, really. I mean, I think we 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 don't. Uh, I think whenever ever anything's new, uh, we talk about the thing we're doing or the thing we're working with because we need to establish it in a a sort of everyday framework don't we um i think that uh what was great about the tempest we were were talking about a play and we were talking about how we were going to tell that tell the story in that play um and i think that uh great storytellers make you take you away from uh the description of it and 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 get you to imagine uh, a world and i think that um the more we can focus on the storytelling um and uh, and what we want to share, the better. Um, and but I don't think technology in these contexts is necessarily a bad word. I think it's about how you frame the excitement around the technology you're using um, along. But 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 keep the story at the heart. Yeah, that's great. Another question we have is how how we can take advantage of the efficiency and the standardization that technology can provide, but also not letting that limit our creativity i'm a, i i think i i've said this uh to groups of people i've spoken to, to and in talks i've done um put technology in the hands of artists and unexpected and unimaginable things will happen mm. and um i think that sometimes we innovate best when we are in a place where we don't know the answers and we're with different people that are working in different ways and i think that um um to date uh you know often technology is uh developed um in isolation of that creative conversation and also creativity can feel very um threatened by technology sometimes and i i 
I genuinely think that the two can inform each other. Um, and as I say, a, an artist or a creative may look at how you can use that technology in a different way um, rather than a functional application and imaginary application. Um, and those things are really important when you want to stretch the boundaries of what you can do um, with those technologies. Um, and great artists will tell a really compelling story with that too. Sure. And we, we had that question almost in the opposite form, but I think you just answered it because um, we had folks wondering, okay, how do you apply um, artistic perspectives to something that may be more technical by nature? And what is the role mm. of aesthetics that plays in that? But um, not sure if you would have anything to add to that, but I know you kind of said they inform each other. I think that um, where uh, it's really helpful is to have a creative question or an artistic vision that both technology and creativity can wrap their heads around. And I think that that's where we were really um, uh, fortunate with The Tempest is Greg set such a brilliant challenge to to us to uh, go away and explore and examine and, and bring to um, uh, the production. Um, and so I think so sometimes it's about the focus and um, what is the question that you need to ask in this to execute uh, an idea? Sure. So if you could maybe think of, I, I've pulled out already just some things from what we've talked about about collaboration, about the the marrying of, of creativity with technology that organizations and individuals could apply to their own work. Uh, what are some things that maybe you would suggest it, from your experiences that could be useful for everybody to leverage? I think uh, collaboration is process, partnership and, and production um, and uh, understanding why why the why you're coming together to collaborate and what you're asking of each other are just completely crucial to to leverage the idea and what and, and what you're doing and um i think sometimes the challenges around collaboration are about language so people are saying the same thing as you but just in a completely different way so to be able to um to look at a structure where you have um regular it's the project management of it and it's the structure of it the spine that you give it to work and also having that common goal that you can work with but also giving space for your collaborators to come in and and, and share their expertise is really crucial for you to make those collaborations work um, and they often work better in smaller groups to begin with and then shared with a wider audience and people that are very good at um, placing themselves a, in situations where they want to learn something different and are curious about each other's approaches. Okay, so curiosity is another one that's good. Um, and also, what about courage? I imagine it took a, a decent <laughs> amount of courage to do something like this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's one way. Yeah, yeah, it did. I think, I think, I think that's fair enough. Yes, um, um, but also ambition. And uh, I think courage and ambition and uh, uh, kind of um, sense of possibility around it. Um, and I think also uh, looking at the hierarchy of it, um, you know, we work with some of the best designers and leading theatre makers, but all those people want to learn more about their craft. So, um Within it, there's a there's a, there is a, a big interest in how you can take your craft further, and so uh, 
there is a rigor and a and a interest in learning actually and an interest in people and 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 respect for other practitioners um has really but the curiosity and courage i i would definitely agree with that <laughs> awesome and so what's next for you guys what are there are there some newer cool things that you've seen anything else <laughs> that you'd like to try yeah, I think we'd love to take the performance capture uh, technologies further. I think we some of the work we did just started and captured our imaginations about how we can apply that to theatre making. Um, we'd like we we will be taking the Tempest to a venue called the Barbican in London in the summer, where we will um, we're really looking forward to sharing it with our London audiences and then. Uh, later, um, uh, we will be, uh, looking at how we're, um, sharing it, um, on DVD and, uh, we've streamed into cinemas and that allows us to, to look at the production again and get excited again and see what we've achieved. Um, but I, th- I do think the, um, video projection mapping, the performance capture technologies and then how those technologies can work on different stages, whether that's a virtual stage, whether that's a, uh, a theatrical stage, whether that's online, um, I think is a is a next step um, curiosity for us. Um, and we'll see what that looks like. And I think we'd like to make sure that we're continuing those relationships with the people that we've collaborated with so far. Yeah, I'm really happy to hear that it'll be going to DVD. Um, and <laughs> so just again, to recap, for anybody who is interested in seeing The Tempest, so it will be in London in the summer. Um, then the DVD will be available in autumn. What about, I, there, there are some screenings that are happening across different areas. That's correct? right. That's right. Uh, we, um, earlier this year, we, uh, streamed live into UK cinemas and it is also in international cinemas now. So there might be an, another opportunity to see it there. And, hopefully uh your audiences um on this podcast have an opportunity to to see the production in in some way absolutely for our listeners if you want to check whether there's a screening near you you can go to rsc.org.uk make sure you put the uk or you'll get the royal society of chemistry (laughs) (laughs) um and you can i think you can put in your zip code or something and find one near you i actually did find one uh, fairly close to me um so yes so definitely go out and check if there's one near you um, or look for the dvd if you can't make it to london uh, maybe we can all pitch in and go on a, a group trip to London because that would be the best. You're very welcome. <laughs> that would be great. Anything else that you would add, Sarah, to this conversation? Uh, no, thank you for having me. Um, I'm delighted to be asked. And um, yeah, no, uh, thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you. And if you want to, you can follow Sarah on Twitter. Um, sorry, what is your handle again? <laughs> oh, it's very, very embarrassing. Um, it's at Scaranellis, S-C-A-R-A-H-N-E-L-L-I-S. <laughs> no very worries, no worries. Um, and then you can also, you know, check social media with the hashtag RSC Tempest. The possibilities of what Intel have allowed are only limited by our imaginations. We're at the forefront of something that other people can take on and build. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, and of course, like, comment, rate, and share. Thanks for listening. <laughs>